Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Dog Random Show with your host, Big Dog. How are you doing? Big dog? Yes, sir. Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I think I got Stevie on the line too. Glad you called. Welcome, my friend. I was just telling him a story about you, and I briefly let let some info about you and your past. But we're gonna let you tell your story. But there was just this really I almost let the cat out of the bag for a technique that you taught me about tree knocking, but I didn't want to give it away. I told him to ask you how about it <laughs> so oh, really yeah, what, that's the technique that i use or the technique that the sasquatch <laughs> use <laughs> no, my <laughs> theory his theory he's a drummer so yeah i'll let you uh introduce this is this is fellow researcher uh, chris trigger d'angelo hey how you doing that's very it's good a to, pleasure meet to be here good to meet you sir and it's nice to be here good to meet you too but texas is a big state so not too far from you is definitely a, a different, uh, you know, scale than it is for a guy like me coming from New York on Long Island there. Yeah, I can tell by the accent. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it comes out. That's for sure. I have, I have a very identifiable voice. Everybody knows it's me. <laughs> well, t tell them about, I briefly was telling them about our recent research with the fingerprints, but that's how you got it involved. And you could tell them what, what you used to do. All right, yeah, I'll give you I'll give you a brief uh, brief synopsis of my past. Uh, most biggest chunk of my past was I spent 21 years as a New York City police officer with the NYPD. Uh, I retired in 2010 on a medical uh, disability. I can save that story for another time. Um, pretty good story, but you know, <laughs> not going to share it today. Well, maybe later. Who knows? Maybe, maybe once I later. listen up. Um, I, I worked various units in, uh, within the NYPD. I worked robbery for many years. I worked regular patrol. I was in organized crime. But uh, I spent seven years as a uh, crime scene evidence collection technician. Okay. So one of the things that it's, uh, you know, Stevie really liked about it, which is why one of, the, one of the many reasons, besides the fact that we get along real well and Stevie's a great guy, uh, one of the reasons why we, you know, became research partners is because I approach you know, our investigations into, you know, these cryptids in the Bigfoot as more of a, uh, like a crime scene investigation. Right. You know? So, um, you know, we had a, recently, we were on a little expedition at one of our locations, and we came across some fingerprints on one of the vehicles that was parked near the camp. Um, so, unfortunately, I didn't have any fingerprint uh, equipment with me, but I was able to recover a DNA, even though we really have no way to send it. But... Um, you know, my seven years of experience in, in recovery of DNA and uh, fingerprint recovery and, and photographs and uh, stuff like that is definitely a skill that comes in handy with, uh, with Bigfoot research, there's no doubt, you know? Right. Well, you got to be very scientific about it. Yeah, scientific, methodical, and a lot of times um, what I see a lot of researchers do when they're collecting evidence they do a good job at it. I'm not knocking any anybody out there who does anything, but a lot of them they don't pay attention to the cross contamination. Exactly. You know, and that that that's one of the biggest problems. It's a problem with, uh, you know, it's a problem with Bigfoot research. It's a problem with, uh, you know, criminal research. It's a problem in the medical field. It's a problem 
everywhere. The only place people seem to really pay attention to it and make an issue of it is in the you know crime scene because of the fact that if you don't do it right, they can rip you apart in court yeah. and stuff like that. That seems to be the only place where uh, where the cross contamination. Um, is you know really uh, brought to everybody's attention, but it's very important in uh, you know Bigfoot research. And the other thing a lot of researchers don't do is they will come up, they'll have a sample, they'll have maybe a hair sample, a DNA, you know, a, a pile of um, you know scat on the ground, and they will they'll collect they'll, they'll do a good job collecting you know a, a sample, a swab for for DNA, but the only thing they don't do is they don't take a control swab of an area adjacent to the scat or the hair or the fingerprints or the saliva or whatever it is. And uh, that tends to be a big issue, too. And also one of the reasons why that's uh, besides the cross-contamination issue and identifying what is already in the environment as opposed to what's in the DNA sample you're taking, if you keep taking control samples with every DNA sample, you could actually figure out where the creature has been because you're going to find things in the scat that aren't present in the environment in this location but maybe a sample you took you know three months ago at a different location 10 miles away matches the scat you're collecting from now if you see what i'm saying mm -hmm. so one of the most important things and you know my experience which definitely going to help out is the cross-contamination and making sure you take control swabs that's something for anybody else who's going to be listening to this Anybody else out there doing research, when you take your DNA samples, change your gloves between every sample you take, and make sure you do control samples. That's, that's the most important. Always wear gloves, control sample, and if you have to, wear a mask or at least put a, a, you know, a hoodie on to keep your hair from falling into it. You'd be surprised how much hair and skin and you know, sometimes even um, water vapor and saliva get mixed in with samples you don't think it's there you can't see it but believe me it's there your body gives off a lot of evidence you know in its natural uh in its natural state so right, yeah, right. It's, uh, that's the so, uh the forensic end of it such great points because we were talking earlier that it's probably going to we all can all a lot of researchers can agree that it's going to take a body on the table how yeah. it gets there i don't know but I hate to to say the quote that everybody hate, hates that absence isn't proof of evidence and evidence isn't proof of absence. Correct. Which 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 means all is going to have to come down to DNA and stuff that you do. Absolutely. That's why I found you very important in the research, if not the most important. <laughs> yes, I mean I agree that you know uh, it's definitely going to take a body, but I think the body with all the other, I mean, it, it, for them to say, for people to think that, you know, Bigfoot doesn't exist, Sasquatch doesn't exist, I mean, it's just so much evidence out there, and I, I feel that getting the body, it's not, not even really for any proof you can get off the body, it's just the proof of somebody saying, look, it's the fuck, excuse my language, it's the body, oh, you know, that, that's, that's what it is, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if, if Bigfoot committed a crime, there's enough evidence out there to convict this guy. You know what I mean? He's left enough physical evidence behind where he would get convicted if he committed a crime. But right. yet people still don't believe he exists because they want to see that body. And I guarantee you, when they do recover a body, if it, if and when it happens, it, it's nobody's still going to believe it because I guarantee somebody's going to come along and scoop that thing up. 
You have to take that body and you have to go right to the media. You can't contact the authorities, can't contact anybody else, because before you know it, somebody's going to come by and take that body and they can say, what body? Oh, no, we'll call you and let you know what we find. You're never going to hear it again, you know? Yeah. Wow. What a great way to view that. I mean, I never, that makes so much sense. And it's just like, you know, when they, counsel has to prove a murderer guilty without a body. Guess what they're going to depend on? All the evidence that points that he's guilty <laughs> without correct. a body. Yeah. So. That is absolutely correct. And that's just, uh, that's what we're not going to get with this, unfortunately. I mean, like I said, the evidence is there from what I've read, from what I've seen, from, you know, what I've experienced, from what Stevie's experienced, from what people we talk to have experienced. I mean, if you think about it, what is most of the criminal justice system based on? A lot of it is just based on eyewitness testimony. As a police officer, you call me to a scene, there was a robbery, and you tell me that guy over there, or I, you say it was a guy in a red jacket, he came into the store and he robbed me. Based on that, I go out and I can find the guy who committed the crime on his, based on his red jacket. I find him today. Maybe the detectives find him next week or whatever. But somebody telling you what happened is the, like pretty much the basis of our, uh, our legal system. That's what gets the ball rolling. Yeah, but right. yet they don't. But it's, it's a, it, and all it takes is one person. It takes one person who is telling the truth out of all the thousands upon thousands of sightings. It's just one person telling the truth makes it all real. You know, that's, that's a crazy that's thing. And that's ahead, that, no, that's, that's actually an excellent point. I was uh, recently listening to the chimp lady, um, Jane Goodall. Yes. All right. And she was, she makes an interesting point. Something basically what you said, if you take maybe well, how many reported, say BFO reportings of 20,000 plus, and then the ones that aren't reported, uh, which could be another 10,000, who knows, because people will get really cool, ridiculed and will not, you know, exactly. people. Okay, so you take that and you take all of your misidentifications out, she said. You take out all your liars, take out your hoaxing, which is the liar. And then that leaves the rest, which are witnesses everywhere from lawyers to doctors to just people. Now, just one is true, and it's true. So she tends to believe it's true. Yeah. Well, makes sense. <laughs> let me let me ask you a question, Chris. What got you so interested in this subject? What got me interested in the whole Bigfoot thing? Yeah. Well, I've always had a slight interest in it. You know, I always used to watch the shows and they were on TV, especially living in New York. You know, it was cold in the winter, snow, everything else. I'd have, you know, I'd be off on a Sunday from work and they'd have like a Bigfoot show marathon on. And I'd, I'd watch it. I thought, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I ended up having three experiences. I was call them experiences because I didn't see anything. Um, my first experience, I didn't know it was a Sasquatch experience. It wasn't until I had my second experience. My first experience was probably around 1993. And I'll tell you about that after I tell you about my second experience, because that's the one that got me into this whole, uh, you know, Sasquatch thing. And I had a third experience, too. I was with my daughter. I didn't witness anything, but my daughter, she had a uh, Class A sighting. She saw something, and I'll tell you about that, too. Oh, wow. Um, I was, it was 2017. I was waiting to have my hip replaced, and my friend Ed wanted to take me hog hunting. I had, you know, never been hog hunting. So I said, yeah, okay, no problem. I'll go hog hunting with you. And it was out 
um, this place about 45 minutes east of Sarasota, where I live, um, right on the border of, what was it, Brownville and Gardner. It's all like um, orchards out there, you know, citrus orchards and things like that, farmland. So I had a bad hip. I ended up having my hip replaced several months later, so I couldn't climb up in a tree stand. So I was in a ground blind that was there usually for deer and turkey hunting and whatnot because this guy's family used uh, the property for all kinds of things. So uh, he picked me up. We drove out there. We got to the property. We got in this little side-by-side, and we're driving down a little, you know, little rut, two-rut road to the spot. Uh, We pull up to the the blind, and the blind is, like, right on the rut road, and right across the the double rut road is a dry um, pond which, you know, during the rainy season, it fills up. But this was, uh, this was, I guess, March. So it was still, it was like the, the tail end of the dry season. And what he would do is he'd put bait and sour corn out there, you know, a day or two before. And, and the hogs usually come in after the sunset. So this is, um, forget exactly what time of day it was. It was probably about an hour before sunset. We're getting out there, getting set up. So he drops me off of my blind. I shimmy in there. I get in there. I'm getting myself all comfortable. And he takes off, and I hear him go up. Um, he was going to go up about, I think, a little over 400 yards where this trail curved a little bit. And he was going to be at the top end of this this little pond in the middle of the woods. And I was going to be, you know, like at a 90-degree angle from him. We were both able to see the bait and everything else, but we were both uh, at a 90-degree angle from each other so we wouldn't, you know, shoot each other with the, the crossfire. Yeah. So um, I hear him go up. I hear, you know, it's that quiet in the woods. You can hear, you know, for miles and miles and miles out there because there's nothing around. I hear him go up. I hear him make it to the location. I hear him shut off the side-by-side. So it's probably probably about two, two and a half minutes go by, maybe maybe three, not too much time at all. And now I hear somebody walking through the woods toward me from kind of near the position where uh, my buddy Ed was. So I'm, and I figured it was him because I kind of, it was just, it was weird. You know, when somebody's angry and they're walking, you hear them going, like they're Mm -hmm. they're cursing to themselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking the side-by-side must have broken down. Maybe he got a flat tire or something. And, you know, Ed's walking back and he's pissed off. But I'm like, why isn't he on the trail? Because Mm -hmm. from the sound of the footprints, they were coming from the north because I was facing east. They were coming from the north, and I said, why isn't he on the trail? It sounded like he was about maybe seven to ten yards off the trail. You know, and I, he knows where I am. He knows where I am. That he dropped me off, and it's his property. So I just hear, I hear them, somebody walking towards me, walking towards me, walking towards me. And I'm waiting any minute for Ed to say, hey, Chris, Chris, it's Ed, don't shoot. Mm. Nobody says anything, right? So it's this, uh-huh. is a, uh, this is a permanent blind. It looks almost like a... Uh, just a mound of dirt. You know, you would, if you looked at it with all the leaves and all the cover he puts over it, you don't realize it's a, you know, a blind for hunting. So now this thing is coming towards me. I can't see it. I can't see out this side of the blind. It's only a little opening in the front that I can barely fit through. And my rifle is sticking out. And if something would have come by, like a, another side by side or a little four by four or something would come by on the road, it would actually hit my gun. That's how, like, right up against this, uh, you know, this trail I am. So I hear this thing coming and coming, and now it's going through my head. Maybe it's another hunter, even though it's just private property. He's not supposed to be here. Is it a game warden? I know there's public land nearby. Maybe somebody wandered, 
from the public land or whatever. So I said, I don't want to scare the shit out of this guy, especially if he's armed, so I'm going to let him know I'm here. And I had a little uh, watch cap, you know, orange watch cap in my pocket. So I pull it out and I put it on the end of my rifle and I stick it out and I give it a wave. And I said, Hunter up, rifleman up, Hunter in a blind. And then I said, I am about 15 to 20 yards in your 12 o'clock position, in case the guy wasn't looking. So I hear he stops, completely stops. Wow. So, so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking any minute, we're like, oh, sorry, buddy. Or yeah, hey, you know, uh, wildlife and conservation, you know, yeah. come out and I want to see your, your, you know, whatever. I mean, we, we were hog hunting. You don't need license for hog hunting. Um, so then now I hear, now he was coming from the north to the south. I'm facing east. I can't see him. After about probably maybe three or four seconds, it wasn't long, I hear him bounding off, but he's bounding off more in a northwest direction, not in the way he came, sort of like, um, probably like a, around 45, 50 degree angle away from me. And I'm just, that's just an estimation. And I hear him bound away. So I'm like, okay, I mean, nothing out of the ordinary. He sounded a little, you know, he sounded like he was a little fast. Sounded like he was a heavy individual, but nothing, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. It was a fat man running through the woods. So I'm like, okay, no problem. I guess whoever it was, I scared him. About 25 to 30 seconds after that, this horrible smell comes past me. And it, it was like thick and it smelled like, uh, it smelled like a dumpster in the summer with a little bit of like, feces mixed in and i don't know maybe some skunk or some urine just all these terrible smells all the smells that you know you never want to smell on a hot summer day in like an yeah. alleyway in the bronx that's that's, <laughs> that's what this smelled like so but it, it didn't last long it you know maybe about 10 12 seconds and it dissipated so i'm like all right so this now with all this happening i've been there like 15 minutes or so and i remember um, I had about probably a half an hour till sunset, you know, because we, do, we were doing a nighttime uh, hog hunt. So I popped in my head, you know, I had my phone with me. I popped in my headphones, put on some uh, music. I think I was listening to Jethro Tull's Songs from the Wood, as a matter of fact, just to, right just to get me in the mood for it. <laughs> so probably about 15, 20 minutes goes by, and I smell that smell again. Oh. Well, all of a sudden, that smell just shows up. Uh, um, laying, I'm, I'm laying inside the blind is, um, there's like plywood on the ground and my feet hang off the back of the plywood. It's probably about six feet of plywood, but since I was in the blind a little bit, I had to make room, you know, so I can, um, rest my rifle and everything else. And my feet were hanging over the back. So, um, it's probably about six feet and it's in the front. It's probably... It's just, probably about three feet in the front in height, and it slopes down. And the opening in the front is about 18 inches square in all directions. But then it slopes down almost like um, like one of those one-man tents that they have, the mummy tents they call them, where, you know, it's, a, it's really low in the front, but then it really slopes down, and it's only like as high as your feet, only your feet can fit at the bottom. Mm. So that's what this blind is like. It's made out of wood and you know, old uh, camo netting, and they always put, you know, fresh uh, branches on it every year. So I can only see out of this little thing, but I'm smelling the smell. So I take my headphones out, and I got my rifle, and on my uh, hip, on my left hip, I'm lefty, I have my uh, service pistol from the NYPD, my Glock 19. Mm -hmm. So now yeah, I'm, sm nice. 
I'm smelling this smell. And I'm just, I'm trying to figure out what, what you know, what, what is it? I, I didn't put it together at the time. Like when I first smelled that smell the first time, I didn't immediately think it was coming from that, you know, whatever it was that ran off. At the time when I smelled that smell for the first time and only lasted a few seconds, I figured, you know, something walked by me, something, you know, some kind of disgusting animal, whether it was a porcupine, you know, um, you know, even though I've been in Florida now for 11 years at this time, I was only here for maybe seven or eight. I still wasn't, hadn't spent that much time in the woods at this point. So I wasn't familiar with a lot of the animals in Florida, you know, other than the, you know, the, the wild hogs I see on the side of the road and the deer and everything. So I figured, you know, some wild, sweaty animal just walked by me and that was it. So I didn't pay it any mind. But then I smell the smell again. So now I'm thinking, you know, what is it a, is it a hog? Is the hog going to charge me? Because there's a tree behind me that I could get up if I really needed to, if it was an emergency. Because, you know, hogs do that. They tree people all the time. Oh, yeah. So, but, but I'm listening, and I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything. And that's what's really strange about it. When I say I don't hear anything, I don't hear anything. anything. When I put my earbuds in prior to that, you know, with the usual sounds of the woods, bugs, birds chirping, all this stuff. Now, it's not completely dark yet. It's like, you know, the sun is down. It's that, that dusk, that twilight period in between when the sun is down and you get that 15, 20 minutes where it's still kind of light, the sky's purple. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that heavy of a canopy because we had the, the pond in front of us. So we had some light coming through. I'm not too sure. I don't remember what the uh, the moon was like that night, but, you know, it was a clear night. So we had some, I had some light. But, and you know, I'm like, what do I do? Do I climb out of this thing or, or what am I going to do? So I'm listening and I don't hear anything. But every once in a while, I would hear, the only way I can describe it is, imagine you're standing in the woods. You're, you know, just standing in the middle of the woods for no reason. And, you know, you're standing in the same position for a while, so you get a little tired and you, you shift your weight. You know, your knees are hurting or whatever. That little, like, crinkle sound that, mm-hmm. you know, you're, uh, it would make when, you know, you, you, shift, you moved your foot a little, shifted mm-hmm. your foot a little, shifted your weight. So every once in a while I would hear that. Mm. Or I'd hear a slight stick break. You know, but every time I heard it, it was in a different spot around the blind, but never in the front where I could see something. You know, it was like whatever it was hanging around me knew that I would be able to see it if it went there. And at one point, I don't know if it was just my imagination or what, but as I told you, my feet were hanging off the end of the the, the wood because it was propped up by two-by-fours, hanging off the end of the wood at the back of the blind and in between the wood, um, there was a tree there, but there was like a little bit of space. I thought I felt something touch my ankle, but I'm not 100% sure that's, you know, that was just something that I thought I felt, but, you know, because now I'm getting a little nervous. This thing's, I keep hearing this thing. Every once in a while, I'd hear an, an exhale. <sighs> but not, it was like, you know, whatever was exhaling was, I guess, you know, making sure it wasn't making too much noise. You know how it is when you try to hold your breath. I know it happens mm-hmm. to me. The more quiet you try to be, you still mm-hmm. every once in a while, you got you to gotta really exhale hard and inhale hard. So th- this is what was going on. So now, I'm, you know, I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, do I say something? What do I do? Do I just let it go? So I remember I, I 
took my rifle. I had my uh, Marlin 44 Magnum camp carbine lever action. Mm-hmm. I, when I when I hunt hog, I just use uh, steel sights. I don't use scopes, nothing. If I can't hit it with the stuff that comes with the gun, no sign. I shouldn't be out there with it. Then that's what I always say. Um, but I had Dude. my had my Glock 19 on my. It was in one of those, you know, um, tactical thigh holsters. You know, the drop tactical holsters uh-huh. with the military wears and SWAT wears and stuff. So I rolled over on my back and I drew my weapon and I was laying there, both hands on my Glock 19. You know, and just laying there with it on my chest. I'm like, if this, whoever it is out there, if they reach into this fucking thing, I'm going to just start blasting. I said, because that's what I was figuring. You know, now my mind is going a little bit, you know, you want to play tricks on you. I'm like, all right, you know, any second this thing is going to reach in. And and so I I gave it a few more minutes. I said, you know what, if nothing happens and there's nothing is said, I'm going to say something. You know, now I'm at this time. I'm not really thinking that it's Bigfoot or anything. I I don't know what it is. You know, I'm, is it a bear? I know there's not supposed to be bear there, but once in a while you find bear out here. You know, is it a hog? Is it a deer? I mean, you know, a deer could be standing there, just you know, just as curious about me. You know, so I was thinking the exhale and the huff and everything else. Um, so I'm now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, all right, I got my flashlight. I'm going to say something and I'm going to turn my flashlight on. As I'm about to do that, now this whole thing lasted from, it, it seemed like it lasted about a week and a half, but it was probably about 45 minutes or so, about 45 minutes. Um, I didn't realize it, but my hunting buddy was texting me, but since I had the, the earbuds in and I put them aside, I wasn't hearing the, uh, you know, the alert tones on my phone. I wasn't hearing it buzzing, and Stevie will tell you, I, you know, I don't hear my phone half the time either between, you know, <laughs> All the gunshots I had to hear and playing the drums for, you know, 43 years kind of affected my hearing. But so he was trying to reach me, apparently. So I hear the side by side start up. Okay, I'm like, oh, shit, I wonder what's going on. Side by side starts up and I hear him. I guess he had to turn around or whatever. And this is when whatever was there turned and just ran. And it was the same exact running away as what I heard the first time, Wow! you know, when the, uh, so it runs away, whatever. My, uh, my buddy comes and I asked him like, did you see anybody out here? Was anybody out here running around? And he like ignored me. And then he asked me, he's like, what the hell did you have for lunch? A raccoon sandwich? Those were his exact mm-hmm. words. I'm like, well, I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, what is that smell? You know? And I, mm. I, I, the smell was, you know, you get used to a smell after a while. And with everything else going on, the last thing I was worried about was the smell. I was more worried about something, you know, reaching sure. through and trying to eat me or whatever. Right. But that was the, um, that was the thing that got me into Bigfoot because then I started looking, you know, I, I told my buddy about it. We were joking about it on the ride home and stuff like that. And he told me about the, you know, I'd always heard about the swamp ape and the you know, skunk ape and, all this other stuff that Bigfoot was down here, but I didn't know at that point in time that, you know, I basically live in a skunk egg hotspot. <laughs> I was like, holy yeah. shit, this is, this is great. So that that's what um got me into it. And so I'll tell you about, if you would like, I'll tell you about the, the next encounter I had when I was with my daughter, and that'll take me back to the first encounter because all of my research made me realize that my uh, experience in 1993 was most likely a Sasquatch. And that was back in New York. But so now the second one is pretty, um, pretty cut and dry. Stevie knows about it. I told him about yeah, this I, one. I briefly mentioned the Class A sighting. So 
Now, oh, okay. now you can tell tell the story. Yeah, the details. Tell, right, perfect. So there's a little um, little preserve called the Old Miaka Preserve. It's M I A K K A, not like the big uh, state forest and the um, big state park over here, which is Miaka, which is M Y A K K A. It's a little little area, you know, a little um, little preserve with some walking trails on it and whatnot. And what's funny about it is when Steve and I started talking about research and everything else stevie researches like on the right on the other side of this area he had a research area that backed up to mine so exactly. and we both had experiences there so this was i'm like amazed this is incredible so one day I'm, i go out there with my daughter just you know just to mess around a little bit she enjoyed getting out there and walking around and you know playing games and whatnot at the time my daughter's 19 now so she's probably about 14 uh, we go down to Old Nyaka, and it had rained, so there was water everywhere, so we couldn't really get back into the trails. So we're hanging around the parking lot, and there's a lot of the, the trees and brush are shaking, 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 shaking. Mm. You know, and I'm figuring, I mean, I know that's, uh, by this time I had, you know, read enough about it, because this was probably, um, I guess this was maybe a year and a half, two years after my uh, hog hunting experience. So the trees are shaking and everything else, and the trees are shaking, and they're, like, moving. You know, a tree would shake here, bush would shake here, and it was moving to a certain spot. Now, I was figuring it was, you know, probably wild hogs or something like that rubbing up against it. Maybe they treat a, you know, a squirrel or something. They, you know, scan the hell out of something. But I told my daughter, I said, look, just stick close, you know, because I don't know. I don't want any hogs come charging out of the woods after you, you know, because you know how hogs, they'll, they'll eat you. They don't give a crap who they eat. <laughs> yeah. They just want to eat. You know, and I had my item weapon with me, so, I, you know, I wasn't worried about that. But I'm like, you know, make sure you stick close to me because I want to be able to get some good place rounds if one of these damn uh, haws come out after you. So then my daughter's like, did you see that? And I'm like, what? Now, I was looking, she was looking to the south. Uh, not to, excuse me. She was looking to the west. She was looking to the west, back towards civilization, as I call it. Me, I was just meandering around, you know, just not even looking for anything in particular. Once I saw that the, uh, you know, the place was full of water, I knew we weren't going to get much. But I'm, I said to her, so what did you see? And she explained it to me, and this might make sense to you, but then I had to do something else, which uh, made it make sense. I said, what did you see? She said, Dad, it looked like a camel walking sideways away from me. <laughs> And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you know, a camel's back, but the camel yeah. is walking sideways. So I'm like, can you draw? I gave her a stick. I'm like, can you draw it in the dirt? I mean, you know, she's a 14-year-old kid. She looks at me like, what do you want me to draw pictures in the dirt? I'm like, just draw what you saw, please. So she draws in the dirt. And what does it look like? It looks like a head and two shoulders, but no neck. Oh, what does that sound uh, like? Scratchy. So uh. that's... We couldn't get in there at that time to look for prints or anything like that or, or hair because there was just too much water in there and everything else. But I did go back, uh, I forget, probably within a month or two when it was dry, and it turned out that that sloped down. And what my daughter saw was, like, if you looked at it from where we were, and I said, about what did it come up to? And she pointed to a tree, it came up to about there. It looked like it would have been you know, maybe about as tall as me, like between 5'11 and 6'1". But then once I was able to get out there, I saw that, you know, there was a lot of water there, and it went down about maybe two, two and a half feet. So this thing was more along the lines of between, like, you know, 
like just under eight feet to like eight and a half feet. So that was my, like I said, that's really my third experience, but I count that as my second experience because my first experience I didn't know was an experience. So um been back there a few times, and we haven't had any uh, any more um, experiences out there in that point. But I was pissed off. I'm like, why does she get to see it? You know, she, <laughs> she I mean, I, you know, I love my daughter, but like she didn't get as excited as me. She didn't realize, you know, that's what you, you know. I guess she, but now, which is good, she, you know, she realizes that holy shit, these things are really out there. Right. My dad isn't crazy. So, it's, you know, it's nice to have when I go out, you know, some, she doesn't, she's 19 now. She doesn't always want to, you know, do this stuff with me. But when she goes out with me, when I take her for a drive out somewhere, she does keep her eyes peeled always, which I'm very happy about. You know, at least it helps me out. So she realizes. But, you know, and then she makes fun of me, too. She's like, oh, I saw one you didn't, but you spend a lot of time in the woods. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I told her she's, you know, special. So that brings me back to my first experience and like I said, it was 93. I didn't realize it was an experience until 2017 when I started looking into these things. 1993, um, my girlfriend and I, she ended up becoming my wife later on in years, um, but we uh, weren't married yet. Her parents owned a home in the Catskill Mountains in upstate New York. I was living on Long Island at the time. I didn't move down to Florida until 2012. Um, so 1993, we you know, still young and in love and all that other stuff. And we used to love going upstate in the fall to the Catskill Mountains where the, uh, the house was. It was in a little town called Craryville, and they lived on top of the mountain. And if you walked through the woods, our whole family on this mountain, by the way, which is kind of nice because you didn't have to worry about hunters or anything else. And her parents owned, my, you know, my in-laws, they owned the house on the top of the mountain. And everybody else, all of my father-in-law's brothers, all owned property on the mountain as you went down. So this entire mountain was uh, belonged to my wife's family, which was great. You know, if I wanted to hunt, I could. Um, I can, you can do whatever you want. And, you know, especially hunting season, all the deer came up there because they knew nobody hunted up there. So to make a short story even longer, <laughs> um, every fall, we used to take a hike to this thing called the Pinnacle. It was this big, beautiful rock cliff that overlooked the Hudson Valley. And when you got out to this Pinnacle, you made it there, and you looked out, it was over the Hudson Valley. All you saw for miles and miles, as far as you can see, was the colors of the fall foliage the oranges and the browns and these bright oranges and, you know, these reds. It was just the most beautiful thing. And yeah. I used to go up there every year with her, and I'd take a picture with her, and I have tons of pictures of her with this beautiful background. Um, we'd done that so many times, but this one time it got a little bit different. We were taking the usual trail there. It was usually about um, – took us a little over an hour to get there from the house because it was, you know, some rough terrain. We had some uh, – there were some trails – that we could follow some decently traveled trails. But then after that, it was mostly game trails. And, you know, the one trail that we took every year, but, you know, we were the only ones taking it to go up and uh, to go look at the foliage and stuff like that. So it got pretty overgrown. Mm -hmm. So we're probably about, I don't know, maybe 25, 30 minutes into the walk. And she, my wife's ahead of me. She's, you know, a girlfriend at the time and she's, doing her thing, looking at flowers. And this was before cell phones and everything, so she had a, a real camera, you know? So mm -hmm. she stopped and taking pictures and whatnot. I hear something in the woods. 
Um, off to my, it was off to my left. I'm not sure how far, but it wasn't very close. If I had to guess based on the sound, probably about 25, 30 yards. You know, there was still some foliage on the trees and everything else. Couldn't see that far into the woods. It wasn't super dense, but, you know, you really couldn't see that far. I could maybe only see like five to 10 yards into the woods because of the way the trees were placed and everything else. But I hear something in the woods. I don't think anything of it. First thing I'm thinking is, oh, it's probably a deer over there. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. so, so, you know, we go to the net, my wife's walking again. I start walking, we're walking. She stops to look at something else. As soon as I stop, I hear something walking and I hear it stop. You know, the, you, the thing you, you, everybody says when they have these encounters, which I, you know, as I was doing my research, I found out, wow, I'm not the only person I had this happen to. So this is going on for maybe, I don't know, about 15 minutes. I start hearing it on the other side of me now. Same thing, Every both sides now. I hear both sides, and then I start hearing whistling going back and forth. One would whistle, the other one would whistle. And it sounded human. They, it sounded like human whistles. Like, a, you know, some people say it, it doesn't sound like a human. It sounds like an odd whistle, or sometimes right. you, hear, you hear owl sounds, and it sounds like a bad owl imitation. This sounded, <laughs> like, this sounded like human beings whistling back and forth. So I'm like, all right, so I'm like, there's some, you know, some idiots up here probably you know messing with us and everything so i'm a police officer and it just so happened um that summer was when i made the transition from revolver to nine millimeter so i had my semi-new glock model 19 service pistol the same one i had you know in the hunting blind with me i have that strapped to my hip with a couple of extra magazines so i'm like god i got i got this here we're fine so I told my wife, yeah, just, just go ahead of me. I got to take a leak. And I listened and I would hear one, the one on my left didn't move because I stayed still, but the one on my right moved. Like it was following my wife, my girlfriend, wife. I'll keep calling her my wife just because, you know, she became my wife. Um, so it's following me and I hear, you know, following her. So I start walking. I hear something on the left follow me. So I catch up to her and we're, you know, we're, we're almost there. And I can hear this. I hear what's going on. She's not, she has no idea. You know, she's blonde hair, blue eyes. She doesn't know what the hell is going on. Beautiful girl, but, you know, <laughs> doesn't have a lot of street smarts. She's smart as a whip, has a whole bunch of letters after her last name, all these degrees she has, but no street smarts. <laughs> so, you know, we get this. Now I hear, I can still hear what's going on. I hear things walking, you know, things. I'm assuming now they're humans. At first I thought it was deer. Now I assume it's humans, probably a couple of, you know, Assholes that live up here in the woods, and maybe they were poaching or whatever, or maybe they're just trying to scare the hell out of the city folk. So we get to the pinnacle, and I said to my wife, somebody was up there drinking, not drinking alcohol, but they must have been up there having a little picnic because a lot of people go up there. It's a well-known spot in the area. Um, And they left a 12-pack of Lipton Brisk iced tea cans up there, and there were a couple of empty cans and a couple of full cans. So I said... Because I'm thinking I want to scare the hell out of whoever's here. I'm like, you know what? While we're here, why don't we shoot a couple of these cans? I got the nine millimeter. You haven't shot it yet. So she says, yeah, okay, be a good idea. So I go and I set up the cans in a safe spot. You know, I look at my my back, you know, the area behind where we're going to be shooting at, making sure it's safe, making sure nobody's back there. And we let a couple of rounds go. And with that, probably within the second round, I, I let two rounds go immediately. You know, because firing like we did at the range we'd have a whistle and say you know two rounds unsupported on my whistle you shoot one hand boom boom two rounds into the target 
That's what I did. Two quick rounds. Boom, boom. And I heard two, two somethings, two humans, two whatevers running away from me, each in a different direction. Like one was going one way, one was going the other way on the other side of the path. And then that was it. We took a couple of pictures and we made the hour and 10 minute walk back in about 40 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, come on, honey, let's go. But, but that was, um, that was my first, no, my first encounter, which I didn't realize was an encounter. I never went back to, cause I wasn't, like I said, I didn't know what it was. I didn't go back to look at footprints, you know, look for any evidence or anything like that. Cause you know, it wasn't my thing at the time. I figured I just scared the shit out of, you know, two guys that lived up there and thought they were going to mess with the city folk. So, you know, Try but that's uh, basically what got me into uh, Bigfooting. And then I hooked up with Stevie after we were talking for about a year back and forth. And uh, the rest is history. Now you're like the dynamic duel. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I really like being out there with him. He's taught me, you know, shown me a whole bunch of things. And, you know, he's even told me he's learned a few things from me, which is great. And, uh, you know, we both have the same attitude about it. We're not out there to become millionaires and out there to become famous. We just want to, you know, we want to see this thing again for ourselves. Yeah, it's always you good know, when the, you find somebody to click next, with. Exactly. Just get the next best piece of evidence. Exactly. Like that earlier. No blob squats, no, you know, blurry, hazy film. Exactly. I mean, like I said, we're not in it for the glory or to let people know what we do because we don't. Uh, Stevie and I, we don't divulge our, you know, our research spots. We right. divulge them to each other. But, you know, when we go out on uh, an investigation, we don't tell anybody where we're going. Right. Until we're there. You know, so we just keep it all on a down low because you don't want people either showing up and creating hoaxes just to break our chops. I mean, you know, some people do it as a joke. Yeah. And other people, you know, do it with, you know, with malicious intent. And also we don't want to get, you know, other people stepping all over our, our area. Exactly. So it's pretty good. You know, we only go out with a small group. We don't go out with, you know, I mean, some people go out with these. They'll take 10, 15, 20 people, all paying customers, mind you. That's a whole other story for a whole other day. But, um, yeah, what's uh, I mean, Steve, what's the most we've gone out with so far when you and I have gone out? <clears throat> Four people tops? Just that, yeah, we'll, we'll pick from other groups um, if they're interested, the PM, and then you'll know who the interested are because it's hard. A lot of people talk, a lot of people armchair, but when it comes down to getting down and getting nasty for a few days. Yes, sir. With the mosquitoes, snakes, and mud and working, working it, you, yeah. might not get, you, might, you might not get shit, but you might come up with that. But I know it's a five seconds of, wow. Yep, exactly. How was that? Yeah, you, I mean, you got to be patient. They, they feel small when they get out there and they realize that you're 15 to 20 miles away from the nearest house. The nearest road, then it all sets in. It's all fun and games till they realize, holy shit, we're, you know, we're out here by ourselves. Which is why we like to bring people out who, who we know can handle themselves. So yeah. Yeah, people who have experience other. being out there. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I talk. No, I'm no, no, no. I, I talk too how, much. That's exactly <laughs> right because he was already. See, we're talking about New York and Texas. All these areas are different, but everybody, you know, what they want to ask you about. Is that really true about them pythons down there? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there it is. And, and that's nothing to us. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, that's nothing to us. Gators. People freak, you know, over gators when they come down here and squatch and haven't been down here. And they just freak. 
Uh, and then we'll sometimes take them down to the, there's what the, uh, Mayaka has a black hole. And these gators, there's probably, it's a sinkhole <clears throat> that's got water in it. And they don't know uh, how it happened or what have you, but the gators seem to just go around there and sun. And we're talking not just one or two, we're talking a couple hundred. Wow. Again. And this, this, this hole isn't very big and, and, uh, and you can walk right up them and then they'll just, Hit that hole and people just freak. And if they know, only give out what, like about thirty permits a day or something like that, I think it really, yeah, it's probably less than that. It's probably half a dozen you, or something. You got to get there if you want to get those permits. You got to get there early. I did that hike once and I kayaked it once, and I was happier being on foot, believe it or not, going out there than I was <laughs> yeah. being in the damn kayak. But yeah, it can be nervous. When you get that close, the gators are going, oh, really? Gosh, man, this is like, you know, lizards in, in your they're yard. They're big out there. They're right there. The thing is, they're gigantic out there, too. Like, a lot of people, they, they see gators when they come down to Florida to visit grandma. You know, they see gators in grandma's freaking development. And gators in those developments don't get any more than six feet, and then they take them out. You know? Yeah. So you're thinking, you know, gators aren't that big, but then you go out there to Mayaka and you see 200, you know, 200 to 250 gators easily. That's on a day when it's not that crowded. And some of these gators are over 14 feet long. It scares wow. the shit out of these people. You know, yeah, there's some monster. big gators. Big gators. And, um, I mean, there's, you got to respect the, the mating season and babies oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, you'll get your ass chewed up real quick. Um, <laughs> hey, speaking but, of which. And, and um, norm, but, yeah, in normality, I've, I've walked on them, and they'll be in the path, and, you, you know, they'll hiss. Had one snap at my wife about I got a question for Chris. Are they, yes, that is, buddy. Are there any alligators in New York sewers? <laughs> no, that's, you know, there were a couple of them here and there, but they were mostly people who... Um, you know, they, they had alligators as pets when they were little and then they got big and Dumped they released them. them. But that was, uh, that was just a little bit of NYC folklore. Yeah. I think they made a movie too. Sewers. They made, right. They made a I movie. There's crazy shit in those sewers, but alligators ain't one of them. I've seen crazy animals down mm -hmm. there. I've seen rats that were blind because they wow. lived in the sewers and they're, you know, they just stopped growing eyes. You know, it's just. Because no. I used to have to go down to those sewers sometimes when, uh, you know, when I was in the evidence collection team, somebody throws a gun down there, dead bodies wow. down there, because I used to have to document, you know, homicides and suicides and everything else and people oh. getting run over in train tunnels. So I saw, I've seen some crazy freaking animals down there. People, people let animals go. You know, they can't keep in their apartments anymore. They're tired of feeding it or whatever. So they let it go. And a lot of them, you know, they seek shelter in the... You know, in, in a sewer, I mean, I've seen rabbits down there. I've seen cats that actually dive into the water off the docks, like the piers on the uh, west side of New York City, on the west side of Manhattan. When I was a kid, my dad, my father was a police officer, too. I ended up, uh, my dad retired a little bit before I got on the job, mm. and I was given my dad's uh, shield. I wore my dad's badge oh, my nice. entire career, which was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, but I've awesome. seen these. These cats that were all torn up, they had missing ears and everything, missing eyes, missing chunks of their skin. And these crazy cats would dive off the pier into the Hudson River after rats. Whoa. Just just crazy, crazy shit. But the alligator thing, that's, there's been a few alligators here and there found in the sewers, but it's just people people releasing them because they they got too big or whatever. But it's not, you know, it's not like a fully stocked pond of alligators in the uh, sewers in New York. 
And plus, you know, with the, the weather there and all the crap that's in the sewer and everything else, they wouldn't last too long. It's definitely not a good environment for an alligator. <laughs> that's for sure. Wow, you just blew my beliefs of chud, cannibalistic human underground dwellers. Oh, no, those cannibalistic humanoid <laughs> underground dwellers, they're down there. It's just the alligators aren't. No, those, those chud people, they're down there. I've run into many of them, scared the shit out of me. Oh, I mean, my God. When the NYPD and the transit and housing police departments merged, all of us surface police people, because it used to be three different, even though we all went through the same academy, we all went to each other's jobs. We just, you know, they had a different passion. Their arm and their, their radio cars were a different color. Um, but when the NYPD, transit, and housing all merged together, we had to go for track training. And I got the shit scared out of me because I'm down there with my flashlight. We had to walk along the tracks. You had to listen for trains. And they actually make you wait till a train comes by. And you got to squeeze yourself into these little cubbies in the tunnel wall that are you, you think that they're not deep enough and you think you're going to die but they end up being deep enough so you know you you squeeze yourself into these cubbies and in some places you know they have like uh steel girders holding up the roof or whatever and i came around the girder me and my partner were bullshitting in the dark joking around fucking around as usual and we come around this girder and this uh all of a sudden there's this face there my flashlight is in this face it's here you know here i am I, how old was i, I was probably in my I was almost 30 years old, probably my early 30s. I screamed like a little girl because there's this crazy-looking face in front of me. It turned out it was just a homeless person down there. They heard us coming and thought we were the homeless outreach unit coming to kick them out. But, you know, the person lives in the subway system, never comes out. So, you know, they had this pale skin and their hair was all crazy and shit. But, yeah, scared the shit out of me. It was like something like just out of a horror movie. Yikes. Yeah, man, I got tons of stories. I could keep you on here for hours. <laughs> I think man. we've already been on here for two already. Wow, that's a long really? cast. Yeah. That's a long cast. It's a good one. Oh, it's yeah. I showed up late. My, my apologies. <laughs> no, Nothing ever good. goes as planned, you know. Oh, that's oh, why it's called. Coming. That's why I call it the random show. Exactly. <laughs> People just come and go as they please, talk about what they want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's we've no been rules. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we were covering all kinds. Yeah, of I can't. I can't wait to listen to the podcast so I can hear what happened before I got on. You know, see if you guys <laughs> oh, are talking yeah. shit about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do. We do keep it small. I talked about that, but we do invite other guys. Um, uh, talking about Nick. Nick comes with us, and yeah, Sir Brian. Nick's Sir Brian guy. Bowen from New York has moved to Florida, and he's a good. Good old boy. He has a, a podcast in the Goblins podcasting, and but he's doing some research. He wants to go with us, and uh, but yeah, we'll take the out of out of the box thinking anything. Uh, oh, which leads us before we end the show is that I was telling him about um, thinking out of the box. This great technique that I have never seen anybody do is when what Chris does, and now I don't I don't leave home without it. But he is a oh, percussionist. Okay. He's a percussionist. I don't know if he wants to let me go, or he wants to let this little. <laughs> well, no, I don't. You know, I I don't mind. You know, I don't mind no, at all. To my man, my, to my good my, my man uh, Mendoza. <laughs> I take out the woodblock. It's a. Pl- it's not a woodblock. It's made out of plastic, but it is the woodblock from my drum set. Um, you know, when you like song "Sweet Child of Mine" by Guns N' Roses, they have that breakdown part in the middle after the solo and you hear that boom, boom instead of the snare drum he's hitting that's exactly what it sounds like and uh 
this thing carries so far, it's unbelievable. And we even got a response one night when we were using, like, immediately the same tone and everything. But I think, uh, Stevie, you said that. Was that you hit it? Yeah. Was that you hit it? Just Just now? Yeah. Uh, No, actually, I I did go and grab it. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Now, I don't know if you... I don't know if you can hear how loud it is over my little crappy oh, mic on my, it's my uh, headphones, but this thing, it projects. I mean, I hold it over my head. I give it three good whacks, and, I mean, you can hear this thing for miles. A few times we heard it echo, but this um, one time we were by that lake. Um, we were on one of our expeditions. It was actually the first expedition I went on with Steve. We had another guy with us, our friend Brock, um, yeah. and uh, I... You know, Stevie Brock had the uh, para, uh, the parabolic mic. Um, I don't remember if you had anything, Steve. If you were just I had listening. The, I had the Zoom. Okay, you had the Zoom, zoom handheld. So, okay, so I let off three, you know, three cracks. One, two, three, and within what the five seconds, not five even, seconds. Not we even got that. the same exact response back, same tone and same rhythm. Isn't that interesting? Because mm. if you listen to his his percussion block, it there's different pitches. You can buy them in different different sizes, exactly. Yes. And that's a little bit higher than some of the bigger ones, but it came back that same tone pitch. Like if somebody recorded what we did and just played it back to us through a call buster, <laughs> and there was nobody else out there uh, where we were at. And yeah, uh, I mean it was crazy. Now, do you think they mimicked it? With the, you know, like with their mouth or? or well, it's funny you say that because uh, we had talked about it. We talked about it with Nick and um, you and I, uh, Stevie, we talked about right. it with him when we were out at the thing. I was um, listening to a, another podcast, I believe. I forget which one it was off the top of my head. Um, and one of the investigators, guy, he says he has a theory that they make the wood knocking sounds with their mouth. Mouth. And they said, well, why do you think that? And it was, it was the most logical thing that I just never even thought of. And when I say it to you, you're going to be like, holy shit, he's right. He goes, when was the last time you walked around the woods and were able to just pick up a random branch off the ground and smack it against the tree? And that branch was solid enough to make a sound that's mm-hmm. going to travel through the woods. They're all rotten, moist, and everything else. So, you know, I mean, I'm not sure if I subscribe to that 100%, but it definitely um, right. yeah, it definitely put an idea in my head. And it's funny that, you know, you just said that, is that, you know, they mimic it with their mouth. And that's definitely a, a theory that I've been uh, pondering for sure. Right. I've seen um, people out there, they'll cut their hands and yeah. in front of their open mouth, and they'll get a really nice pop. Or they could be like I that mean, I, guy from uh, Police Academy and be able to m- mimic. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mimic anything. Yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah, but that could be, uh, you know, that that's definitely a possibility. I, you know. I you don't... Know, right. That, but the wood blocking, you know, we were talking about how communications and how monkeys do a lot of the, uh, or chimpanzees hit roots root system because they're mm-hmm. deeper and travel and they have that low frequency, you know, logical to whales and um, the way whales communicate. Uh-huh. But, um, but I think he's onto a really 
unique way of doing knocks that we've been having good results. So you might want to try that out in Texas and let me know what you get. What you get? You can get them online. You know, you just put percussion block. Yeah, it's the one I have wood. is cheap. One I have is cheap. It's by Latin Percussion. Um, and I mean, if, it, if it's it's probably less than twenty dollars. It's a big hunk of plastic, and it's probably the best tool that I have that I bring out there. Yes. You know, <laughs> and I like Great. it too because it's it's un- it, the sound of it is unique. Yeah. You know, like you can, t- if I'm in the woods, if me and Stevie are a mile apart and I whack on that thing and there is a, you know, if there's an answer, you know, Stevie can tell right away that, you know, the answer isn't me because that block has that distinct sound. And like you said, it's a little bit higher than what most people would use or you'd expect something to sound like. But it, it travels like a mother. Oh, I almost used bad language again. It travels really oh, well. Good? So. I know you can edit it out and stuff like that. No. But, you know, I just try to, I try to keep it clean. No, we do cuss, we cuss on here. You know, and it's it's funny because when he first did it, I have these um, uh, these sticks that this uh, Native American dude uh, when we were filming in Dulce gave me, and they're like cedar. I don't know about twelve inches, and actually I've gotten some good responses from them. It's more like a uh, rock clacking uh, sound, but I was like, yeah. I'll, you know, like we say, we, we we do those last if you're not having any, you know, luck or anything or seeing anything thermal or anything parabolic, go ahead and do your whoop or whatever and some wind knocks. And then I said, hey, it was the first time I was going, you know, I got the recorder on. Hey, do some wind knocks. Go find it. So I figured he'd go find a stick. All of a sudden he whips that thing up. <laughs> 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 I lift over and then I hear, dah, dah, dah. And I was like, what the hell did he have? Very distinctive sound. And 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 the end of the story, and then even if you had to end the show, you know what happened to me? I was so excited about it because I'm I'm I rarely get excited about tree knots unless you're getting some kind of instant response or repetitive response in the same amount that you did or something like that. So I'm checking the zoom to make sure I had it recorded, the zoom handheld recorder. Uh, Brock had the parabolic, but it, 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 he didn't have it on record. And besides, it's use. those are kind of, you need to have a zoom. They're better. And then run direct your uh, parabolic in the zoom. Not me. That night, no. But I was excited I had it. I push in. We're in the woods. And to see, to make sure the SD card, I can save it. And it popped out and went flying. And then went, oh, no. <laughs> in the middle of the spot. You know, just like that's the aisle. You know, it's and it was probably probably the best audio evidence we ever captured. <laughs> exactly, but that's okay. It happens. It happens. That's how you it know, happens. Like, so we're not out. We we want other people to believe and everything else, but the thing is, we all heard it. You know, Stevie heard it. I heard it. Brock yeah. heard it. So yeah. I mean, we know that it, it happened. It's not that you know we're not out to to prove ourselves to anybody. We're yeah. out to just you know to to prove that this thing is out there. Because like I said, I don't want to really make a big deal about it because you know, I don't want people going out and hunting these things and everything else. I just want to prove it exists for my, my own thing. I've had those experiences and I just, I want to say, you know what? You see this, it's true. I'm not full of shit. Tell, you know, so my family doesn't think I'm not. So my friends and everything right. else, just, you know, and it would just make me feel better in a way because, you know, they can make fun. Of, I wouldn't even tell them I got this evidence, you know, just prove it to me and they can make fun of me all they want. But, you know, I know the truth and that's, that's all I'm really seeking is the truth. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. 
Wow. With that said, I don't know if I have to say anything else to say. Just God dang. <clears throat> yeah. Well, he ended it perfect. I got plenty to say, but I have oh, we, so much to say on so many different topics. We should, we can, uh, you know, make it a couple of shows here and there, oh, you yeah. know? Yeah, oh, yeah, I told him that. I mean, you oh, know, yeah. I have all my, I, you know, especially, um, you know, my, my 9-11. I was the first responder on 9-11. I have a lot of, uh, you know, I can talk about a lot of things there that a lot of the uh, public, a lot of people don't even realize what went on, like, you know. Stuff like that. I can spend a whole show on that. I could tell you. I could spend a show telling you funny police stories. Another one telling you sad ones. Another one telling you scary ones. But, you know. Just, I mean, like you said, it's an it's a whatever show. It's you know, it's random. Yeah. So if you ever want to have me back to oh, definitely. Some of those topics, I'd be more than more than happy to definitely. come back. Definitely. Now, yeah. my my, I gotta tell you, my brother was a police officer. Uh, he was actually killed in action in two thousand seven. Um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Sir. Thank you, thank you. Um, but he had a lot of stories too. You know, I relate to the police officers. Go to the like the memorial thing they have for him every year, and it's always good stuff. You know, just to remember him. Uh, oh yeah, and it's a very yeah. tight community. The police community. Oh yeah, too. yeah. They're... You know, besides the cops themselves, the families are always uh, you know taken care of. I have plenty of friends who were killed in the line of duty. You know, what was some, you know, close to 30 years ago. And, you know, I'm still in touch with their families. I watch their kids grow up and everything. You never, you know, you're still, you're still part of the family. You didn't, you might not have wore the uniform and went out on patrol with us, but you still were right. a part of the, you know, the daily life as a cop. Because while we were at work doing our job, the family's at home worrying about us. You yeah. know, you're keeping things in order at home so that when we get home from work, if we had a shitty, stressful day, we, we don't have to worry about anything. We can just sit down and spend time with our family. And that's why, you know, police families, especially police wives, you know, those freaking women. I mean, I, I know there's a high divorce rate amongst uh, cops, but yeah, you see these people who stay together 25, 30 years. It's, uh, you know, these, these police women, um, you know, police wives and police husbands, too. I worked with plenty of female officers and, you know, plenty of officers that are married to a member of the same sex. And, you know, all those people who are on the, the civilian end, of the police family have to sit at home and wait for their loved one to come home deserve just as much credit as you know the cop like me throwing on his bulletproof vest and putting on his gun belt and going out on patrol right yeah oh well said well said, well said. yeah but definitely sorry to hear something. about your brother like there's a our um the nypd motto is fidelis ad mortem which is um faithful until death hmm. and that's what's on all of our stuff whenever you a NYPD line of duty funeral. That's always said. Um, and I'm going to keep that in mind tonight after we uh, end this. And I'm going to say a prayer to St. Michael, you know, for your brother. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's well, my pleasure. It's been. Uh, we're, all brothers, we're all on the same team. He had. Well, the only difference was he had a different color patch on his arm. Yeah. You know, if I called for help, he'd come running. He'd, you know, risk his life. Not even knowing me, which is what's the crazy thing about most definitely. police life. There were, there were guys I didn't like, guys that I wanted to punch in the goddamn face because <laughs> they were such assholes. But you know what? If I got on the radio and was screaming for help, they would risk their lives coming to get me, and I would do the same for them. But, you know, if we were out having a beer at a bar, I'd slug the motherfucker. It's just a strange it's a strange, um, strange brotherhood. I mean, the military is the same way. Yeah. You yeah. know, I know guys that hated each other that end up taking bullets for each other. You hear all these, you know, stories about people. It's yeah. just, uh, 
it's it's nuts. It's a crazy yeah. world out there, with or without Bigfoot. <laughs> yes, Bigfoot sir. in the mix that makes it even meta. Cool. <laughs> As we talked about a lot of things that you came back to touch, which I just briefly talked about. Yeah, it's perfect. Well, I didn't want to give your story away or nothing. I, that's why. Well, I you're more than welcome to. You're my research partner. It's anything oh, I yeah. know, you know, you know. But I know yeah. sometimes it sounds better coming from the horse's mouth. Right. Oh, you no, know? I say, man, it's, it's, he's going he's gonna to be a great guest. It's going to be a great people, show. People I don't like the way I talk. It. I just don't want to ruin it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep in touch, man. Cause... Like a, man, I got to plug all my movies. That's all I wanted to do. I'm <laughs> I know you get all this small talk at the end. But, um, yeah, man, it was a great show. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, the, 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 the half that I was on was awesome. I can't wait to hear the first half. Yeah, it was both, <laughs> you know? both of them are going to be good. But I want to thank you for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you uh, broke uh, my cherry. You <laughs> broke my podcast cherry. Never have I been on a podcast before. Oh, sweet. But I, was, I have hundreds of hours of court testimony and trials and evidence hearings and identification hearings. So grand, grand jury, all that stuff. That so, sounds perfect. You know, I'm, I'm used to talking and, you know, trying to say the right thing, except I couldn't curse in court. <laughs> yeah. We can on the random twice, show. But, yeah. Well, but, yeah, it was great being here. Cool. Can't wait to come back. Heck yeah. yeah, definitely coming back. All right, guys. Cool. Well, I'm going to go ahead and end it. Um, I appreciate hey, you guys. Oh, one, 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 one real quick thing. Oh, go ahead. I hold, uh, I, I hold the Mendoza family really close to my heart. <laughs> Oh, I know the real deal. Appreciate real it. people. So God bless you. God bless you. And so you. do I. If, if Stevie likes you, then you're all right in my book. You're <laughs> all right. So. Heck yeah. All right. All right so I'll Pete. put you on the Christmas card list. Sweet. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's all go squatting together one day. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Y'all ain't too yeah, far. East, East Texas has some crazy shit going on, too, right? In, uh, yeah. Louisiana and up by Oklahoma, too. But, mm -hmm. uh Crazy, very um, vicious Sasquatch out there, very aggressive. Oh, yeah, I just listened to um, Big Dog's story. He was on a uh, film on YouTube, and they're using his story. Uh, and I just love that story, the yeah. hand story and how it peaked and all that. And Yeah, it's a good one. All right, I'm going to go back and listen to all the uh, the episodes and so I can get caught up so I know what the hell you guys are talking about. <laughs> oh, my cool. God, he has, he has a ton of them. How many you got? You, you're approaching 100, I think. Uh, I think I'm getting close to 40 episodes. Oh, 40? I thought you had like 80. No, no, it's still young. Uh, like I was, 40 is a lot, though. Yeah, I was doing yeah. a podcast a with people, lot. and I was always a, a co-host, and you know, it, I felt like I couldn't really you know do my thing right. um so that's when i just decided hey why don't i just do my own right so oh it's getting it's, it's, i i got a lot of guests that would love to come on the show oh good, Chris good. on there getting nick get nick yeah i got a lot of people would do the show we could have a nice big foot round table one day you know yeah, yeah that would be cool on we could do sure could yeah. all right we'll shoot you some ideas sweet yeah definitely Sweet. All right, well, it, was, it was a pleasure, and I can't wait to come back. All right, man. All right, I'll keep in all touch right. with I'll you. Talk to you all. Will do. Outstanding. You guys have a great night, and we'll talk soon. All right. You too. Bye. All right. Later. Bye bye. Bye. Right. Thank you for listening to the Big Dog Random Show. Before we go, I just want to thank everybody who supported my show, uh, the people that are 
sponsoring me. I just want to say thank you. If you guys would do me a favor and share this show and contact me at the big dog underscore random underscore show at yahoo.com and I have a Facebook page big dog random show you can contact me there but again thank you for everybody who's supported me I appreciate it all my guests everybody who's listening thank you thank you thank you thank you